are good to go. With more of the Matt Wyatt Show. Coming to you direct and live. Back with you. I'm Matt in the Bureau of the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau Insurance, go with the home team. Staying connected to you because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire, customer inspired. Hope y'all are off to a good Wednesday here. Lots of ways for you to be a part of the show. Carrying some conversation over from hour one into hour two, and then we'll pick up some new stuff here too. Also, uh, a little bit later, my friend Ryan Brown from over in Birmingham is going to join us. He's a part of the Next Round at nextroundlive.com. They do a great job there. He and Lance and Jim and those guys, whole crew, uh, covering sports, primarily college football, but a lot of stuff. Uh, good guys do an excellent job. And I'd like to get his opinion on I haven't talked to him yet, uh, so get his opinion kind of live on the radio about all this realignment and what it means and how he feels about it. Everybody's got – you know, their heart tied up in a different way in this college football stuff. And it's always interesting to hear what it means to everybody. So one of those conversations, though, from hour one, it was just a minute ago, we were talking about a little back and forth going on on Twitter between some Southern Miss fans and some Jackson State fans about wanting to play football against each other. <clears throat> what would happen? Well, let's don't worry about what would happen. Let's just schedule it and do it. But some are saying that Southern Miss doesn't want to do it, especially right now, this iteration of Jackson State football with what they're building and the players and everything. But a lot of eyeballs would be on it. Like, why wouldn't you schedule? Will says on YouTube, uh, Southern beat Jackson State for the first time on Halloween in 1987. And Brett Favre actually would have been their quarterback then. Um. Todd says it doesn't do Mississippi State any good to play Jackson State. We've done it before. That's from Todd on YouTube. Now, Jimmy, this is what I wondered, though. It was an interesting thought. You said it's good monetarily for the HBCUs in Mississippi, like, you know, for State or Ole Miss to schedule them. And Jimmy said, I think going forward, the SEC TV partner is going to frown on scheduling those. But, see, I'd, I'd actually disagree with that. Now, I guess I could be talked into it by you or anyone else or somebody connected with the television side. But when you look at – See, that's different, you know, from a TV perspective. What you're talking about is, you know, ESPN being in such control of scheduling and, and you know, in, encouraging that with its TV partners and the out-of-conference games. It's a big reason why you have the emphasis on strength of schedule and, the therefore, the SEC mandating that all these teams these last few years have to schedule a Power 5 non-conference. Well, a lot of that motivation is television. And you look now, I mean, ESPN's been showing Jackson State games, ESPN 2 and some others. And uh, this is, with everything going on in the hype and the eyeballs and the interest in, I know you said HBCUs, but I'm talking Jackson State. You know, with all the eyeballs and the interest there because of Deion Sanders, the program, the players, the recruits, the fans, all the hype nationally. I think ESPN would love it if right now, if they had an SEC partner that had a, a game scheduled for them. I think ESPN would be all about it. I think they'd put it in prime time. I, I could be wrong, but that's kind of the way I see it. And it's not to say that 
what the outcome of the game is going to be. I think that one's a little bit of a different animal. I'm not talking about scheduling Arkansas Pine Bluff right now or, you know, or Alabama A&M. And they're on somebody's schedule. We talked about that recently. Um, I just think that they would actually like that. Boy Scout Bob commented on YouTube. He said the NCAA should let Power 5 teams schedule teams like Jackson State or Southern Miss for spring games and give them uh, the pay. That way they can schedule more Power 5 teams in their schedule. Yeah, you know, they discussed, they kicked around that idea, Bob, a while back of letting teams play somebody in the spring, but it, it I don't know, it never did come to fruition in any way. All right, he's back. And I'm playing the music now because I know that if I didn't and JSU1 was on the phone, he would ask for it. And here he is on the Divinity Phone, JSU1. Happy Wednesday to you, JSU1. Thanks for calling. What's up? Same to you. Same to you. And, yeah, USM should definitely play Jackson State. I think it would be great. Did you ever get to see him the previous three times they played? I was there for the first inaugural game. And, you know, that was Brett Frobb's uh, freshman year. Uh-huh. And and they gave them all the hell they thought they wanted. <laughs> so it was a good ball game. Yeah. Oh, it was a real good ball game. It came, it came all the way down to the wire. Yeah. Uh, I pulled some questionable calls in it, but, you know, it is what it is. We was down there. Yeah. Okay, so I'm looking here. Um, so, yeah, that was that was 1987. It was in Hattiesburg, and the game was seventeen to seven. It was a ten-point ball game, mm-hmm. uh, October thirty-first, nineteen eighty-seven. Now they played again in two thousand two in Hattiesburg. Southern Miss beat them fifty-five to seven that year, right. and, and I did not realize that they had played this recently. Somehow I just missed it, but they played in two thousand eighteen there in Hattiesburg. Well, I think so. Yeah, and uh, Southern uh, Miss. All the games been down in Hattiesburg. Now they won't come to Jack. Yeah, three three games in Hattiesburg. That's right, all there. 87, 02, and 18. And how about that? The last two times they played, 02 and 2018, 16 years apart, the score was the same in both of them. It was 55 7 Southern Miss. Um, and those are actually, when you look at when but, uh, they scheduled I think, it. I think it'll be a whole lot different now, though. Yeah, I, I have that feeling, too. I, you know, win, lose, that's, I'm just saying it wouldn't be, I don't think it'd be 55 to 7 either way. You know? No, Not, no. It wouldn't be that kind of ball game. Because, you, you know, that was a different era of Jackson State football. But it was also a little bit of a different era of Southern Miss Southern football, too. Football. Yes, yes. And and Will Hall, who's at Southern Miss now, is a heck of a coach. Uh, he's going to do, and is doing, but he's going to do a really fine job there. But he's sort of still just getting started with it right? Uh, as we speak. Yeah, I, right? think, I think he's going to do pretty good down there. Yeah. I, I think he's going to do a lot of in-state players. Yeah, and, and they need to. You know, that's kind of what Southern Miss needs to do and with the way that everything is going on right now. But but they just joined, uh, you know, they left Conference USA and they're joining the Sun Belt, which is a perfect move for Southern Miss. It's just exactly where they need to be. Um, but, you know, I'll be interested to see how the, the scheduling, you know, JSU won. I, I'll just put it like this, and I guess it's only one person may know this. But if Deion Sanders remains the head coach at Jackson State for a while, mm-hmm. you know, he's going to keep building that roster and he's going to get some teams to schedule him. You know what I'm saying? It's going to happen. I, well, I think if, if he continues to stay there and he keep building that roster, I feel like he's going to go FBS. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I'm I'm not sure it's is the whole swagger move up or mm-hmm. just a few teams in the conference that move up and get in a different conference. Right. Well, and it is an incremental like they're not gonna no school has ever made like a huge jump from outside of FBS up into one of the major conferences. But other teams have no. when you look at like UCF and some of those the way they've climbed the ladder and it took them a little while. Right. You know Boise State and uh Appalachian right. State. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. And, you know, so let's just say this is just a hypothetical. But when you look at the footprint of the Sun Belt Conference that Southern Miss is going into, right? I mean, it's right here. Right. It's it's right here. And if if he were to keep doing that and have and, – and let's say that the school and the university kind of as an, a whole operation continues to have its act together also, and we're talking financially, educationally, and everything also – Mm-hmm. then they might shoot. Let's just say that conference realignment stuff keeps happening and a team leaves the Sun Belt in a couple of years thinking they're going to go somewhere and it opens up an right. opportunity. You may be in a position to make that move. And getting making that one step would, would transform a lot of things. Now, a lot of things have to happen and water under the bridge between now and then, but I, I don't I think, think it's... The only thing I see that will be lacking right now would be the... Money wise, yeah, the financial, sure. As for stadium, uh, attendance, and all that stuff to move up, mm-hmm. I think we got that. Uh, we might just need to be looking more so at getting the finances together, yeah, right. Which again, that takes time, you know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. it's not as simple as finding the rainbow and, and going nah. to where it lands, <laughs> it takes a little, it takes a little time, takes- but. But it seems to me you got some pretty good leadership, and I know you have a good athletics director, um, right? And 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 everybody's heart seems to be in the right place too, and and that's important. You kind of have to put the whole operation in front of just an individual, and so it's fun right. to watch right now. I wish they would schedule it. Uh, I really do, but we'll have to and, uh, see. And I don't see why Mississippi State don't feel like they they have a problem playing those. They playing other schools that's on that level. I agree. And look, let's just be honest, JSU one. There are a lot of SEC schools that that are scheduling and have scheduled FCS teams, right? And you know, uh, there's there may be some other reason that we don't know, but there's no obvious reason that we shouldn't have those games scheduled here. There's just no. Well, we didn't play them before. Only right. team that uh, only team that we hadn't played in the state is Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. I tell you this: the rest I, of them wouldn't play. I've, I got to be in the stands when State played Jackson State back in 2009, I think it was. Uh-huh. And the sonic boom was pointing the other direction, away from me, and I still have never heard a band that is as loud as them. It was just incredible. Oh, well. I, <laughs> and I was kind of like, I mean, it, it, it shocked me what Mississippi State Band did, but I, you know, I, I was kind of lost on that one. Yeah. I don't even remember. When they had the banjos on the field. Oh, the banjos. <laughs> <laughs> I must have missed that. Hey, you try anything sometimes, right? Hey, uh, JSU1, I appreciate it. It's good to hear from you. Call me anytime, okay? Okay. All uh, right. Thank you. <laughs> Banjo's on the field. I will say this. A couple of years ago, I went. we had a game at Tennessee, and their halftime show incorporated the Tennessee band with a bluegrass band down on the field. It was really good. I was impressed. When they first came out, I'm like, how is this going to work now? But they, it was pretty good. They figured it out. Sometimes you just have to figure it out. 
What I would like to figure out now is what somebody else thinks about all this realignment. I've, I've talked about it and thought about it till I'm blue in the face, and I just want to hear another opinion other than my own. And a good one will come from this guy, Ryan Brown of nextroundlive.com. In the next round, you can hear online, he is at Ryan Brown Live on Twitter. Follow him if you haven't already. And he's on your radio right now. Ryan from talking all morning long on your show to now doing some talking on my show. I hope you're not tired of talking yet. You know, um, I never get tired of talking. I'm always happy, especially with people like you. One time I saw the Pride of the Southland Band in Tennessee with Charlie Daniels playing violin on the field. They're playing fiddle. Violin, listen to me. Playing fiddle uh, down there with him and singing. How about that, Charlie Daniels? How about that? You know, and pretty soon we're going to get an Alabama versus Texas matchup in football. It's only a matter of time, and maybe we could get a a version of if you're going to play in Texas, you got to have a fiddle in the band. I mean, surely we're going to make that happen right. when that happens, right? That's right. A good <laughs> Alabama, really good Alabama song. Get Randy Owen and the guys. <laughs> Randy Owen is still touring. He um, he's touring now. It's not the original Alabama. Uh, they've had some health issues there, so it's Randy. With kind of a backup band, but uh, yeah, Randy Owens still doing some touring around here. How about that? Still going strong. As yeah. are as are you yeah. and and Jim and Lance, guys. You were radio partners for years and years, and now talking sports uh, on your show and, and everywhere and YouTube and online and on your app. And I continue to listen myself. I'm a regular listener, and so I've heard some talk. But I just wanted to ask you. Ryan, um, I hadn't talked to you since everything busted loose. USC and UCLA are leaving. They're going to the Big Ten. All this shakeup that has effectively led to what we have, which is a power two right now, not a power five. What are are your honest feelings in your heart about what we're seeing with college football right now? Well, you know, look, I I think your inclination is to always almost always, like things the way they were when you were growing up with them, right? That's where you're most comfortable. And I think enough has changed that we've exited my comfort zone uh, to begin with. So that, that's not really that appealing to me. I mean, when I grew up, Matt, um, I'm a little older than you, not a ton. But when I grew up, I, I can still remember you playing in Mississippi State. But when I grew up, you know, we were in the pole era. There was no playoff. One and two didn't play a lot. Um you know, the SEC only had the 10 teams. It wasn't, you know, it expanded to 12 when, you know, I was a young kid in high school. So, you know, what we see now isn't really that close to what I grew up with. So we've moved on from that. So I'm for whatever makes the game the most fun and gives me the most meaningful games. But I have always felt like we are trending towards the bigger schools, maybe the biggest 60, 70 schools, breaking away and doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. And then... Schools, you know, in my state, schools like Troy and UAB and in your state, schools like Southern Miss would kind of play on that next level down. They'd have their own playoff and championship, and, you know, there would be two distinct divisions. That's not to say they wouldn't still play one another. I know the caller before I came on was talking about playing the FCS schools. You know, if you're state and Ole Miss, the state FCS schools, we have that same conversation over here about Alabama and Auburn and UAB and Troy. So, you know, I, I don't I don't know what all that would look like. Um, but I, I still think those schools will cross over and play, but I think it would be two distinct levels of football playing for two different championships. Right. Which, in my opinion, Ryan, we've been missing that. We've had a period of time here where 
frankly, to the kids playing at Troy and at Southern Miss, it hasn't been really fair to look at them and say, hey, you're chasing the same trophy as the University of Alabama. That hasn't really been yeah. fair, has it? No, it's not because, you know, we can talk parity all we want. There needs to be more parity in college football, which there isn't, right? Mm-hmm. We can talk about that, but how are you ever going to legislate anything that would create parity between Troy and Alabama? Right. You're, you're not. You're I mean, not. there's no way you could do that. You, it's just impossible. So, and, and, you know, I know those schools, they, their goal is to win that big championship, but realistically, they're just not going to do it. And I think this can make those conferences healthier. My, my, the example I would use is the American, which is a really good conference, right? Now they've sold some teams to the Big 12. But the American's got a TV deal with ESPN. If they were playing for their own championship, would that TV deal with ESPN be any more or less valuable or the same? I think it would either be the same or more valuable to ESPN. Right, right, exactly. Either way, they're not losing it. ESPN's got a filled TV slot. Mm-hmm. So I think you, you could get more money from a playoff. You could get maybe more money from your TV deals. I think this could make those schools healthier. I really agree with that. I uh, certainly do. Ryan Brown on your radio right now. So in regards to the Southeastern Conference, uh, either staying put at 16 for the foreseeable or, yeah, I guess really do we believe that or not. So I'll ask you. I, I, we've heard that. Hey, we're going to stay at 16 for now. You really believe that or do you think there's some moving shaking with the ACC teams in spite of their grant of rights that's hanging out there over their head? Well, I mean, I think you stay put unless a school you know you want in the future uh, you think is available. Um this is the old, I'm going to the dance without a date. Are you going because you couldn't get a date? Or are you going because the date you really wanted was going with somebody else, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Greg Sankey, obviously Greg Sankey has not gotten as far as he's gotten without being a forward thinker. The guy is very much a forward thinker, and he is the mover and shaker in college football. So he knows where all this is headed, or he at least knows where he's got a really good idea it's headed. So he's not going to get left out in the cold. He's going to make certain of that. I don't know that that means the SEC goes and adds two ACC teams next week, but I do think it means the SEC is not just going to sit around and bury their head in the sand and assume there's no more expansion. They want to be best positioned to get the teams they want to get. So, you know, I, I, I think they're, they've got probably a hit list of these schools make sense for us. And I've been told, Matt, that this go-around, when the SEC expands again, it's not going to be just about let's go get teams in good TV markets. It's going to be let's go get good cultural fits, teams that look like the rest of the SEC looks like, and make the SEC a better conference. Don't just make the SEC available in bigger TV markets. So I think it'll be more comfortable fits for the SEC than just TV markets. Really intriguing. So with about a minute or two left here, Ryan, so basically yeah. you're saying the next time it's going to be a – a quality over quantity emphasis in terms of what they well, do? For in, yeah, for instance, I'll give you the two teams I've heard mentioned a lot, and the names might surprise some of your listeners, are NC State and Virginia Tech. And specifically, specifically Virginia Tech, I think the appeal there is it's a new state, the state of Virginia, which does help on the TV side. But Blacksburg is a school that fits in with Starkville and Oxford and Auburn and Tuscaloosa. You know, it's not a metropolis, but it's a college town where the state really supports, rallies around and supports the team. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's more of a college town. And I think that's what you'll see 
the SEC, it's those types of teams that I think you'll see them go after. Really interesting. Ryan, thank you so much, man. It's good to catch up and uh, talk for a little bit. Ten minutes goes by really fast, I guess, when you're having fun. And we'll do it again soon. Maybe something will shake loose in the next few days, and I'll talk to you again. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Matt, I would love it, man. It's always fun talking to you. You're a class act. You're a great friend. and You do an awesome job. You call me anytime. Thank you so much. Appreciate the kind words. And right back at you. Thanks, Ryan. That's Ryan Brown. Y'all follow him on Twitter, if you don't already, at Ryan Brown Live. And check out their show. You can get it on the app or just go to their website there, nextroundlive.com. Those guys, he and Jim Dunaway and Lance Taylor, they've been together for a lot of years, and they really do a fantastic job. I enjoy their content, and uh, I recommend it. So check it out if you haven't already. You may become a new listener, and then so you can come here and tell me the stuff that they are talking about so that I'll know, and I'll sound intelligent. And you will too, right? Isn't that how that works? (laughs) So, yeah, you know, it's interesting, and he's there. And they talk to people, a lot of people, and they got some connections. But think about that now. That's something we haven't brought up on this show. But what if, just what if the SEC were to consider, instead of Virginia, Virginia Tech? What if, instead of North Carolina, NC State? We didn't even like kick that around, but how does that land on you as a fan of the league? And where would you want to go watch games? What about venues? Where do you want to go watch football? Talk about that next. I'm Matt. Stick around. Here we go. Hope you enjoyed that quick conversation with Ryan Brown from the next round over in Alabama. He, uh, when I said, you know, I hadn't thought about that. Just what if, just a what if, in terms of looking for more of a cultural fit as opposed to just what's biggest out there in the next round of expansion. What if the SEC looked at NC State instead of North Carolina or Virginia Tech instead of Virginia? What about those? Jimmy commented on YouTube. He says, I live in North Carolina, and I 1,000% believe NC State is the best fit team for the SEC. I will tell you this, too, now. You know, it's – can this be said about anybody when they are good? But, like, last year, NC State had a pretty good team, right? They they had high expectations coming into the year, lost an early game to Mississippi State, turn around and go back, beat Clemson a couple weeks later. But I watched their – Season opener, I think I watched later their game against Clemson. They were home games for them in Raleigh. And excitement, expectations, pretty good team. And let me tell you, uh, that 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 place was rocking now. Big old stuff. I don't know what it sat, probably 50,000, 60,000. But, man, it was full. And, that play, and, and I remembered watching it last year thinking, that looks like an SEC game right there. You didn't seem too many – Maybe every now and then Florida State, Clemson, you'd see in the ACC would have football atmospheres like that. But they had a they had a real football atmosphere at NC State. And, of course, again, that was last year. They had a good team uh, for sure. Just something to think about. Denzel sent me a picture. 
And it says he found Beaver's doppelganger. It's a guy that looks like Beaver. This guy does look like Beaver. Who is that, Denzel? Is that somebody you know or just somebody you saw online? Look, I'll just tell you, Denzel, thanks for sending it. It looks like him. Okay, I can confirm that it looks like him. <laughs> I can absolutely confirm it. And then the other thing I asked you a minute ago, what about venues? Okay, so you're talking about stadiums on campuses within those certain towns. What about the venues? Um, is there something to be considered there regarding a fit also, if you get into some more expansion for the SEC? Um, I mean, I, I think you already have a fit for the league in terms of venues when you look at Texas and you look at Oklahoma. I got to learn the names of their stadiums. I don't know them. I'm supposed to know. You know, like we, over the years, we become familiar with the names of the stadiums. You know, Davis Wade, Vaught Hemingway, Williams Bryce Stadium in South Carolina, Neyland Stadium, Tennessee, Bryant Denny, Jordan Hare, Sanford, right? And we used to know Commonwealth Stadium in Kentucky and they changed it to Kroger Field. Look, Kentucky, I know you're cashing in that sponsorship money with Kroger right there, but that does not roll off the tongue like Commonwealth Stadium did. Are there others that I'm leaving out? Ben Hill Griffin. Death Valley. I mean, I call it that, but it's not somebody's name. Anywho, what about venues? All right. I've got a list of my favorite venues. What if we were to play a game? And the game was this. What's your favorite college football venues but you can't include your favorite school. It's got to be everybody but your favorite team. The reason I thought about this, Ivan Mazel, who's been covering college football for a lot of years, he's uh, highly thought of in terms of a writer. I think he's one of the best college football writers out there. It's just there isn't as much of a demand for the <laughs> great writers as there used to be, just those who can pump out the content uh, and get attention for it. He's not one of those. He's not looking to be an attention getter. He's just really good and has been for a long time. Lots of relationships. And he's been pretty much everywhere. And he's working now not for ESPN, his former employer. He's now working for On3, the new network deal that's, that's kicking up out there. And he put out a thing today, the 11 best college football venues. He put them out here. Some on his list of his 11 college football venues will not uh, surprise you, and some will. Alabama, Bryant-Denny Stadium. Here's his 11. Back when, uh, back when Bear Bryant started taking their games to Birmingham in Tuscaloosa, it sat 43,000 people. Now it's over 100. But he's got Alabama's Bryant-Denny Stadium. These are his top 11 college football venues. Uh, he's got Army. Mitchie Stadium at Army. He posted a picture of that. And I've never been there, but you talk about fantastic looking. Right on the water? Anyhow, Auburn, Jordan-Hare. I totally agree with him on that one. He's got Georgia's Sanford Stadium. I mean, it's great when it's full and everything. It's great, but I wouldn't, it just in terms of the venue and what it's like and what it does, I, I wouldn't have it there, to be honest with you. Uh, okay, Notre Dame Stadium at Notre Dame. There's a picture there. I've never been there to South Bend. Would love to go and, and see it. 
looks like a really cool setting of campus buildings and stuff around it there at Notre Dame. Uh, Ohio Stadium at Ohio State, the horseshoe. I've been there, not for a game, but for another event. But got to go in the stadium, go down on the field. It's over, it's what, 105,000 people there at the horseshoe at Ohio State. Beaver Stadium at Penn State. He's got Kyle Field at Texas A&M. These are Ivan Mazel's top 11 college football venues. Uh, the UCLA uh, Rose Bowl. Because Rose Bowl, yes, UCLA plays its home games there. Uh, the Coliseum in Los Angeles where USC plays, and he's got Husky Stadium for where Washington plays. You've only seen that one like me. Um, it looks cool. I just don't know about a trip to Washington. So those are his. I saw it, read it, started thinking about it. Pretty neat. But if you were to play the game, what are your favorite college football venues but you can't have your own team, your own favorite team in the list. Who would it be? Mine are obviously all SEC. Been to some outside of the SEC I liked, but here are mine. Number one, Kyle Field, Texas A&M. If you've never been, it's, it's something to behold whether you're watching a ball game or not. Especially when you get the people in there. The way that thing is built, four levels all the way around the stadium, going straight up. If you're on the top level, you're like hanging out over the field. It's just, you just got to see it. There's nothing else like it in the SEC. Therefore, there can't be anything else like it in college football. What they've built Kyle Field into at A&M, and they get it full of those people, you just got to go see it. Just trust me on that. There's nothing else like it. And people go, well, I mean, it seats 100,000 people. So does in Tuscaloosa. Two totally different things. Trust me. Tuscaloosa is this big, round circular non-distinguishable corners i mean you don't you can be in any spot in bryant denny and you don't know where you are because it all looks the same texas a&m i'm just telling you it's like something off of another planet you've got to see it it's totally different it's really cool whether you're pulling for them or not number two for me is jordan hare auburn Eighty-five thousand collegiate collegiate football that's what it is Smack middle of campus, right next to the baseball field. Beautiful town, beautiful surrounding area, Lee County, Alabama. Jordan Hare at Auburn. It's my second favorite. Third favorite, Neyland at UT. Up on that hill, humongous stadium, sitting right next to the river. Four, Williams Bryce, South Carolina. They support it, whether they're good or bad. The people that run that stadium do the best job of any of these in terms of coordinating the video boards and the music and the speakers and the atmosphere with the game. They do a great job at South Carolina. And then number five for me, Reynolds Razorback Stadium. You send me to Northwest Arkansas at a big old stadium like that for football in the fall, it's a great place. There's one through five for me. We're talking about venues. All right, let's hit the phone line. Divinity Equipment phone. Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson. We got a call from G on line one. What's up, G? What's happening, Matt? Hey. So, Matt, me and you, um, we hung out one day at Hickory Ridge. You might remember me. I, 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 hey, you know what? You don't even have to tell me your name. I recognize your voice. <laughs> hey, I was going to touch on what you were just talking about. Then I was going to get you to uh, pick some swing games. Okay. Stay, but. Yeah, I've been to Kyle Field. Me and my son went out there, and uh, and we were sitting in the very top, and that thing was shaking. Like <laughs> it was actually moving. I'm not kidding; it was moving back and forth. When they started swinging, I was thinking we may need to go down lower. 
<laughs> it, it'll scare you, especially the old Kyle Field. It start the press box would be, you know, swaying back and forth. It'd scare you a little bit. It sure would. For me, uh, my number one would have to be kneeling. Um, mm-hmm. That that tailgating by the river and that whole experience is pretty pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so, a neat place. If uh, I and that river. Right there. If I if I had gone to the University of Tennessee, I would never have gotten anything done. I'd have been fishing every day. But they say they say don't eat any of the fish out of that river right there. But it'd be hard not to. I just put it that way. Hey, uh, remember I told you my son is the editor for Whom the Cowbell Told. Yes, and he asked me today a question, and I was going to throw it at you. What are three swing games for Mississippi State this year? I'm gonna hang up and let you talk. Okay, I appreciate it. So. We're talking swing games that'll swing the season one way or the other. Right? Now, it would be easy to kind of look at it almost chronologically and go like beginning, middle, and end. <laughs> you know, is one that could swing it early, one that could swing it middle of the season, one that could swing it late. But I just think the Memphis game, which is the opener, is so important for State. It's almost... Weird to call the first game a swing game, but when you talk about it sending you down one path or the other with a road game the next week, I mean, that's huge. And then two weeks later, you come back home and you host LSU. I think your biggest, if you're just looking for swing by definition, which is going to either springboard you or slide you down the hill to the bottom, you've got two in the first three weeks. Memphis out of the gates and then LSU at home. You win two of those, and uh, look out. It's on. We'll have the countdown of 90 teams in 90 days coming up next. I'm Matt. Stick around for that. It's go time. Let's go. With a Matt Lyon show. Ready to talk sports the Mississippi way with you. So get in on the conversation and tell him what you think. All right, back with you. I'm Matt. In the Bureau. Maybe I don't understand the definition of a swing game. Hey, real quick, let's check in with Beaver. Let's see how Beaver's doing. Hey, Beaver. Hey, Matt Wyatt. What's the definition of a swing game? I would say a swing game is, you know, you got your games in there, like these non-conference. You say, oh, 1-0, 2-0. Well, then let's just use, for an example, Mississippi State, Let's say LSU. A lot of questions on LSU this year. That will, then that particular game, that swing game, could swing their season, the thinking, one way or the other. Uh, You lose that game, then you're probably in trouble. You win that game, uh, you're looking good. Yeah. I mean, so it's a difference maker. That's what it is. Yeah, it makes, okay, I was on the right track. You know, again, I looked, it's so hard for me. I always think about the momentum within a season. I have a hard time. I have really a hard time this time of year looking at the back end of someone's schedule and zeroing in on a game. Everybody brings up the egg ball, but I'm like, I'm going to have 11 or 12 weeks of information before we even get to that. <laughs> and, you know, the thing is, like, I, and, and to the way you start a year is so important. Yes, you can find examples of teams who started fast and then lost six in a row and you know back when Steve Spurrier was the coach at South Carolina it was like they did that every year every year they go 5 and 0 and then they're 5 and 1 they finish the season 6 and 6 and they win a bunch in the early part of the year and they lose a bunch in the late part of the year 
And it does happen. I understand that. But, you know, I just look at it and everything, the way you lost to Memphis last year, it's crazy to say, seems like with the season opener. But you're looking at, it's okay, it's a season opener. It is at home. And then you have two road games right after it. Okay, so you're going to have, early on, you don't have any home games. So you have a home game there to start. And it happens to be against this Memphis team that you never should have lost to last year at their place. And so to get off to that right start just sends it on a certain path. And if you were to get upset and lose, it's going to send it on another path. So it's a first one for me. And then, you know, I mentioned LSU. It's two weeks later. I did. I misspoke. It's not a home game for State. It's a road game. Okay, but you know good and well LSU is going to have it sort of circled. It'll be a conference opener for them. Home game. Here's Brian Kelly. Previous staff is the one that just got run out of the stadium with 600 passing yards the last time that State came to Baton Rouge in a COVID year. Now this air raid and State's coming back, and Kelly and that coaching staff, I guarantee you they got that game circled. Big old red circle on their schedules in their office around that State game right there. And you go down there and beat them. Ooh. Things are just a little different. Things are just looking a little different all of a sudden. We'll see. Hey, I got a note here for you. Some of you old timers like me. Yesterday, I was accused of being 45 going on 60, basically. So I kind of, I was alive for that. I don't necessarily remember these specifics, but I was alive for this. But on this day in 1984, sportscaster Howard Cosell. Howard Cosell of Monday Night Football, he asked to be released from his duties on Monday Night Football. He said that he was, quote, tired of being tied to the football mentality. I didn't remember that being the reason he left. Howard Cosell. The famous sports announcer that everybody has uh, imitated over the years for his very unique style of speech mannerisms of course he was big time in boxing he was always seemed like he always was interviewing muhammad ali but he did monday night football with dandy don meredith all those years and turns out when he left monday night football in 1984 he asked to be released because he was tired of the football mentality what does that mean he said he had some private reasons also anyway that's why he stepped away from Monday Night Football, the great Howard Cosells, because he wanted to. He was tired of doing it. Makes sense. All right, uh, time for it. The countdown. Today we are 52 days away from the 3rd of September. A lot of numbers. 52 days away from the start of college football. 52, 5 2. 52 days. From right now. It'll be the first Saturday in September. Time for the countdown of 90 teams in 90 days. Defense! Defense! Woo! Shoot this thing! Set your watch for 90. Finite. It won't be long. And in danger! When you hide, you hide! Team number 90, I think they are in the AAC for now. They may be in the Big 12 before it's all over with. I don't know. 
But they're out there in Dallas. That would be the Mustangs of SMU. Pretty cool fight song now, I got to admit. All right, all right, all right. We got to get this in because uh, I'm going to have to send Beaver a phone number to make a phone call real quick. <laughs> I, I'll explain it in a minute. Uh, SMU, team number 52 on the countdown. They were 8-4 and four last year. Four and four in their conference. They're going to start the season in 52 days from today on the road at North Texas. Uh, and that's uh, SMU. Last year, let's see, eight wins a year ago. They beat anybody of note last year. I know they play big-time offense, put up big numbers. Who did they beat last year? Who? look at that. They started the season 7-0 and last year. I guess I'd forgotten. 7-0 start the last season with wins over Abilene Christian, North Texas, Louisiana Tech, sorry, Louisiana Tech, TCU, South Florida, Navy on the road, and Tulane. And then back-to-back -back losses to Houston and Memphis. They went to Memphis and lost by three. They did beat UCF, scored 55 points on UCF in the second Saturday in November. But then back-to-back -back losses to end the year at Cincinnati, got whipped 48-14, and then lost to Tulsa 34-31. They were supposed to play in the Fenway Bowl up in Boston against uh, Virginia, and they got it canceled. All right, that's team number 52. Beaver, I am uh, – hold on a second here. Can you hear me, Beaver? I can. Okay, I am sending Annabeth a number so that she can call you, okay, on the Divinity Equipment phone line. Um, she probably already knows it, but I sent it to her. And if your phone rings in just a minute and it's her, I want you to put her on the air for me, okay? Okay. And so we'll see if she calls you. I know this sounds weird if you're listening on the radio. I know it sounds weird. I'm juggling something here on the radio live with literally two or three minutes here before the show is over today. Now, she may choose to not call the number. And if she doesn't, then when we get to the end of the show, I'm going to tell you probably why she didn't call. <clears throat> no, it sounds weird. Just trust me on that. All set to wrap up the Wednesday show. We got a few minutes left. I still have some coffee left to pour in my mug here from High Point Roasters in New Albany, Mississippi. Highpointroasters.com. Get your coffee right there. I'm grinding it up myself every day at home, running it through the coffee maker, drinking it up. Beaver, I guess the phone hasn't rung yet. It hasn't, and I'm I'm so confused yeah, about why you're being so mysterious. I know, here. I know. Wait, it's ringing. Hang on. Okay, see if it's her. I really hope that this is Annabeth on the phone, and I really hope that she will agree to let Beaver put her on the air for me. <laughs> Just hang on. 
I know we got a little silence going on here. I'm sure he is having to negotiate with her right now for her to come on the air. She on. Okay. Annabeth, are you there? Hello. Hey, are you there, Annabeth? I'm here. Hey, you know this is Matt, right? This is your husband, right? Yes, I yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm really confused on why you told me to call Beaver. I wanted to tell everyone and have you here <clears throat> to know that you texted me about five minutes ago here in the last segment of the show, and you are currently locked out of the house. Is that correct? I'm locked out of the house in the garage without my keys, and I need to get my keys. <laughs> I'm calling you from my cell phone, not a landline. I'm calling you from my cell phone. I looked garage. up. I looked. I'm on the air. I got to finish the show. I, I looked thought up. maybe you were still on the commercial break. No, you were on commercial break, I'm on so. the air, and I looked up five minutes ago, having to finish the show, and I see a text from you that says, "I'm locked out. I'm in the garage. I can't get in the house." And I just, I thought we would just talk about it real quick before we... <laughs> I'm, I've done this maybe once or twice before, and I had all these things in my hands, and I'm ready to go run these errands and drop things off and pick up our daughter, and I can't. I'm just okay. in the garage. Okay. Well, you just hang out in the garage. You're... I'll be there in a minute as soon as I finish, okay? Well, okay. Uh, thanks. Don't, don't, don't overheat or anything. I'll be there shortly. <laughs> Thanks, Beaver, for patching me in. <laughs> it's not Beaver's fault. I asked him to do it. It's not his fault. For Beaver, I'm Matt. See you tomorrow. See you.